Hello, everybody. I am Burger from Geeks in the City, and I am joined by Jeremy from the Anime Dining Podcast. Hey, guys. And uh, today we are skipping the line with another very, very important voice actor, at least for me. Uh, this is a big one for me. I was fangirling. Uh, with my wife earlier and everything like that uh just to go down the list of, of roles you, you might have heard her in she's been beast star she's been in a uh, story bots she's been in dan Rompa, digimon fusion bleach she was even in dragon tales marietta J. who remembers that show i loved that show when i was growing up rama one half default stella glow but most people know her from her most iconic roles as Chie Satanaka from Persona and Naz from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. And spoiler, I don't know if you guys knew, but she was also May Kanker from the Kanker Sisters. We have the very, very special Aaron Fitzgerald with us today. Hello, Aaron. You gotta eat more meat. Uh. <laughs> the reason I'm on this podcast is because your name is Burger, and I feel like uh, that's exactly what I'm in the mood for all the time, every day. Thank you very much. Iconic. I get that so many. I get that so much, and people's like, "Wow!" And it's like, it's like, it's literally my government name. I can't do that about. No, it's funny because it would be like the only podcast Chie would do. <laughs> you know what I mean? so like, funny. if she could pick a podcast, uh, Burger. That's the one for me. She got it. She got to go with the meat. Uh, yep. Yep. Tasty. You know yeah. what you got to do. Jeremy, you got to change your last name to Steak now. So I know. For steak. For steak. Oh, man. <laughs> Perfect. I'm down. Excellent. Oh, but it's so great to have you here. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, considering the entire world has been upended and, um, everyday life and absolute gutted sadness I, I feel pretty okay considering um, yeah I think I definitely feel like my communities are stronger I feel like I'm pulling people closer than ever and my gratitude levels have never been higher I've never been more grateful for the simple things in life than I am right now that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And, you know, along with that, too, I'd like to think that a lot of people are kind of feeling that way as well, yeah. just given the situation. Um, yeah. Just being more grateful for, you know, family and, you know, loved ones and things like that. So I think that's really cool. But I just think that's a, everyone I talk to, everyone's pretty much in the same spot, unless they're in like the horrific spot of grieving or in fear for a loved one, which is a different place altogether. Yeah, definitely. So, but on a lighter that, note, yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah. something that we always got to ask, you know, because, you know, everybody's home and there's so much stuff to watch right now and so yeah. much things to catch up on. Uh, what are you watching right now? Oh, I love this question. Um, Lego Masters. Can we just talk about what a great show that, that is? I'm a huge fan of Lego Masters, uh, where they compete building Lego. I just think that, that's amazing. Uh, Community just got released on Netflix, so I'm rewatching Community. I love Community. Uh, I'm a big fan of comedy. Like for me, I like heartfelt, uplifting comedy. So I, I watch all like the Great British Baking Show, Queer Eye, uh, The British Office. I'm a British television girl. I, for some reason, I can't find Red Dwarf right now. I've been craving to rewatch Red Dwarf. 
or for the millionth time, and for some reason I can't find it. Um, I'm a huge fan of Pen 15s over because it's so stupidly awesome. Really a big fan of that. Um, and also we've been marathoning. First, we marathoned um, the Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was my choice. And now we're marathoning um, through chronological time order the Marvel movies for him. <laughs> These are the things I'm putting my attention to. Oh, I did watch the Tiger King. We did finish that. Okay. Uh, which was so weird and strange. So many, so many I people totally are watching it. Yeah, my whole timeline right now is that is that show, and I've watched like the first episode, and it's just like, okay, this is this is definitely going to be something. It's where also I'm addicted to the circle on Netflix. I liked the American version, and then I watched the Brazil version. Like, I just think that is the best game show ever created um i love it yeah so i i tend to watch things that are my my industry because i don't like feeling like i'm working so i watch things that are way outside of what i would you know work in no oh, that's really interesting because <laughs> i'm i watch television to relax i watch movies to relax not think about work and nah. for me, it's cartoons and video games so no nah, I, I agree i agree entirely um because um i do stand-up comedy uh myself and you know, normally, like, and I have a lot of situations where I have to sit down and I have to review uh, like a show or something like that. But then, like, I, the last thing I want to do is after like you know two like going up, rehearsing, uh, practicing materials, come back and then watch myself some watch some more of me. I, I try to tend to like you know I want to unwind, so you know I watch the things that are further from me, and that's the video game and anime, and anime because I'm in not I'm in none of those. Like that's there's that's a completely different world from the comedy and all the other stuff that I work on. Right, exactly. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So you're one of the greatest voice actors out there right now. You've been oh. in yeah, you, It's true. You, you didn't that's, know this? Uh, that's you, not true. I'm washed up. Not at all. No. So many shows. You're in B Star. Like if if literally if you go down the timeline, you are in everything every year. Like there's something in thing i'm i'm a utility girl i'm a ut utility woman so my range is insane so i'm uh, so whereas you know there are actors who kind of have one sound so they kind of get cast as one type of character all the time and i don't have one sound i have a million sounds so it's a waste to hire me and only use me for one thing so a lot of times on projects i get called in so i can do multiple things and um as far as i'm concerned that is money in the bank son you know i don't need to be have a famous character i don't need to be um a lead i'm more than happy to take that check because it's the same check as the lead and i end up getting more work ultimately so it works out really so i end up with a lot of credits like the credits build up over time because yeah. of that yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. I was talking to uh, my niece because uh, my niece is actually a super big fan. Oh. Uh, yeah, and like real and real cute because um, I, I had called I called my uh, uh called my sister in law. I was like, yeah, look, so I got a voice, I got an interview, and it's gonna be great. And it's like with who? And I'm like, oh, you'll never believe it. It's cheer with cheer stop knocking. And then like my niece overheard it because you know she's been around me when I play games and stuff <laughs> like that. She's like, is is Abby, I'm like, oh snap, yay! I was like, who? Oh wait, yeah, must yeah that. And she was like, you're speaking to Abby, and I'm like, yeah. She was like, can I come? And I'm like, it's it's not like that. It's like over, but I'll tell her. I'll give. I'll tell oh, her that you love her. What's her oh, name? My niece, Stephanie. Oh, 
Okay, Stephanie, this is customary greeting to your abominable monster high. Except I'm not reporting. That is Spectre's job. Spectre Vodka guys reporting for Monster High. Hi. See, she's gonna. Wow. She's gonna. She's gonna fall out. <laughs> <laughs> That's she, awesome. Yeah, it's That's so really crazy cool. because uh, we like. Literally, like, uh, my wife, me, like, we all have different roles that we're, like, that we're, I like... I love that. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Love. Because people come at me all the time, what are you in? I'm like, oh, my God. I so, can't answer that question because I don't know what you know and what you're into. And because I've been doing it for 20 years, I, I, it could be, like, if I made my list, there be could be, like, oh, 200 things you've never heard of. And then I hit the one thing. Oh, no, no, no. Tales of the Abyss? <laughs> I don't know what's gonna hit. I don't know what's gonna land for a person. So I can't you know things that are quote unquote popular, meaning the things that people approach me about the most. Um, they're totally unknown by an entire portion of the population. <laughs> Not as that's like I said, like it's so cool because like me and my wife, we all have different things that we loved about in like uh, in the voice acting career. Like you know, like my niece, she's really big on monsters. She's really big on Abby. Uh, I'm really big on the Persona franchise. My wife watched me play Soccer Wars, so she's really big onto that role. So we all have different things where we're like, oh, cool. Like, this is great. That is great. I can bring people together. I am the yeah. common denominator. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, but let me get my fangirlness in check because I know we got, I know we got people that's like, hey, ask her some questions. What do y'all stop? This ain't about you. And um, I don't want to keep it all to myself. But um, something that that's really interesting that uh, we were looking at uh, is that you grew up in Canada. Yup, yup. So. Canadian, Canadian, Canadian translation. <laughs> right. So you grew represent. up in Canada and. You actually started theater over there. You did all your school over there before you came over here. And you did theater yourself. What was that like? Uh, what, what was it like? Uh, like, what was the defining moment for you that made you be, I want to do voice acting? There's no such thing as voice acting. That's an illusion. I don't know why it has that label. Um, basically, I knew at the age of three I was going to be an actor. I had started acting out all the Sunday night movies to my elderly neighbor at that age um and i just knew and now of course i didn't know that meant that i would get paid for it it didn't matter to me i knew i was gonna act i always said so growing up i always wrote sketches i always did i forced the people in the neighborhood to sit and watch me perform i was always performing 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 uh, i got into um i did plays in high school i did like little drama camps in whatever small town i was living in in canada and my dad's in the navy so i lived all across canada coast to coast and um and the would be whatever I could get my hands on creatively I would do I was dancing I was uh, acting singing I didn't really enjoy singing so much um, I was a, a, a pre-competitive diver in Ottawa for a period of time and I, I was a cheerleader uh, not the same connotation as an American cheerleader in Canada um, so I did all of that kind of stuff and then um, when I graduated high school uh, my parents were convinced that I should be a nurse or a teacher because real career stuff and I chose to, I said, well, I'm just going to apply to the theater program at the University of Victoria. I'm just going to apply because uh, I, I was dancing with a dance company and the head of the dance company, her husband was one of the teachers at the, in the acting program there. And she said, just apply. 
because you had to write a huge essay, you had to uh, do an audition. It was like, it was a really hard thing to get into. For a university program, it was really difficult. And so I didn't think I would get in because they only were taking, I think at the time, 75 students. For the first year, they take on 75 new students. Um, but I did get in. And uh, every year you had to audition again to get in to be accepted in second year, third year, and fourth year. By the time I got to fourth year, there was only seven of us in the acting program. They had whittled us down to, from 75 to seven. And I made it all the way through and I got a degree in acting. Um, so again, just acting, to me, acting is acting is acting. Characters, whatever, uh, in that case, we were performing on stage, live in front of the live audience. Then I moved to Vancouver and I started booking work in commercials and television and film. Um, totally different animal, totally different style of acting, but still just acting. Acting right. for the camera, acting on stage. Acting for the camera, acting on stage. At that time, um, I hated acting on the the camera because the roles that they would give were so you know white male character that was totally void of any depth and I so I was looking for interesting roles like hookers and drug addicts because they were more interesting than the regular female characters they were writing at the time and so I, I was doing that and so I had all of these other characters bursting to get out of me that theater side of me didn't go away and there was a little theater troupe that I joined there that was doing like live plays, which was really fun, and um, but still not satisfying enough. And so I tortured all my friends with my characters. Tortured, tortured. Like I would go in and out of characters all the time. There was no such thing as voice acting. There was no such thing. And one of my roommates, I lived in a house of seven people, and one of the house of seven, um, uh, Toby, was like, hey, I've got this job doing some Walla. They need girls who can do characters and accents, which I can do. And I'm like, dude, I'm in. And it was a background, it's background voices for television and film, which is akin to being an extra, except with your voice. So it's all right. in post-production. So another word for uh, Walla is, uh, or Walla breaks down to with all actors or looping, a loop group. Um, so I went into this Walla session for a, a sci-fi series in the 90s called uh, Outer Limits. And the episode I was working on, they, they put me at efforts of the lead actress who was Alyssa Milano at that time. And she had just got her, her breasticles done. They were brand new and she was showing them off in this episode. And um, a friend of mine, Michael, he was a new friend from the session. He was playing the, the male lead, who I don't remember, and we had to do um, the efforts for their sex scene. This is like my first job behind a microphone. And I'm like, oh, I have to do her breathing while she's having intercourse with this person, showing off her new girls. Wow. And it was just the add to it that we are Canadian. So the uptightness of the British we have, like it was so tight it was so uncomfortable it was so awkward and but luckily we were all had a good sense of humor about it so i did we finished the scenes and we were just cracking up and making fun and having a grand old time and my friend michael to me and he said um why aren't you doing cartoons and i'm like what i don't know what you're talking He's, again, why aren't you doing, you know, acting for cartoons? Because that's what it was called, acting for cartoons. And I'm like, oh, uh, what are you saying? Are you telling me that Papa Smurf isn't Papa Smurf? And he's like, no. And he would tell me the name of the actor. And, and uh, He-Man was played by, and he dropped the name of the actor. And then I started screaming, no! No, this is terrible! I had a whole moment of... Uh, of all of my uh, illusions being ripped away that the fallacy of these cartoon characters who I had known to be real 
They were not actors. They were real characters in my universe. And now this moment, they were, it was torn from me. And then it then dropped. Like after the morning of that, the penny dropped. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what I was built for. It's character acting behind the mic with Michael's brother, Brian Dobson, both of whom are huge voice actors. Just Google their credits. Um, you'll be blown away. Uh, Brian and I were starting out at the same time and we both auditioned for a brand new channel that was invented called Cartoon Network where they were going to play 24 hours of cartoons a day which was crazy talk no one did that <laughs> yeah yeah uh-huh. and so we both auditioned for a show uh, that was recording in Vancouver called Ed Ed and Eddie I only auditioned for May Canker well no I auditioned for May, all the Canker sisters um, and I kept being called back for May Canker and so the, the the creator Danny had fired three of the casting directors like we would do a round of auditions and then a new casting director would show up and they we do a second round of auditions and he'd bring all of us back and then a third one showed up and, and I remember going in for it was the, it was the casting director who was like because I was doing a list for her because of the teeth and he said well instead of the list what if you try to snort and that's where the snort came from and um, and so I booked that job. And the first year I recorded Make Hanker. And then the second year, the actress Tabitha St. Germain, she didn't have much lines as Naz in the first season. And she was blowing up as an actor in Vancouver. Right. She was doing like huge theater shows at like the big main theater. And like, she was just, she was a busy woman. She And we didn't of course get Ed and Nettie in Canada. So we didn't know it was a popular show or that anybody was watching it. So she left after the first season and then Danny gave me the role of Naz. Then I recorded for both of those characters for I think two more years. And then I moved to Los Angeles. The guy I was in love with moved to Los Angeles and I followed him. And I tried to keep my job and they were like, nope, you can't go to America and keep your job. Yeah, fine. <laughs> and then they replaced me for about six months with another woman named Jen. And then Danny was like, nope, nope. He was already picky with those of us who, who he cast. And he was just brutal on her and then ended up getting rid of her and forcing them to bring me back, which was unheard of in Canada at that time. Like, you don't bring back a Canadian actor from America. Like, she's on her own. But they did. They brought me back. And I had to re-record a lot of Jen's stuff uh, as much as they, you know, before they had aired some of that. And yeah. then... And then I was I was my characters until the end of the series, and they flew me up every time from America to do it. Wow! Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Um, you know, I think you know one of the cool things just hearing your story there is like, and this is something that you know I we see a lot in uh, uh, actors is that the passion that comes out I think is a really wonderful and a really cool thing, and I think it's exciting to to hear about you know those types of stories like like your personal journey to, you know, to, through getting different jobs and different transitions. I think that's really cool. Um, I did though want to bring it back a little bit. Uh, well, not a little bit, maybe a lot of it. <laughs> um, so you talked about as a child, you know, when you were just even at a toddler age, like you were yeah. acting, you were doing your thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had entire movies memorized and would act them out. Yeah. I yeah. What what movies? Like what um, what was three year old Aaron into? Peter Pan, the Disney Peter Pan movie. Uh, Wizard of Oz was a staple. So much so that now I am current. Well, I was up until the quarantine. 
Um, I had just started touring my, I, I decided to take a three-year-old version of Wizard of Oz and turn it into a one-woman show. So now I am I literally, when this quarantine is over, I will be back on tour with a one-woman Wizard of Oz. No costumes, no set, no um, lighting design, no sound design. Everything comes from me, 28 characters, um, 80 pages of dialogue, all memorized, inspired from the movie, some from the book, some from the radio play, all put together in a way that doesn't piss off the WB. So we have rights to do it. And uh, yeah, so yeah, that's a real thing. <laughs> wow. So what kind of made that come about, um, doing doing a show like that? Well, the fact that it hit that, that show, that movie had chased me my entire life. So I, from three years old performing it for Mrs. Proudfoot, um, every few years, years it would show up in my life like I'd end up in the high school play of um I remember when I first moved to LA one of my first jobs was the blizzard for World of Warcraft Burning Crusade and they hired me to play uh Dorothy and the Old Crone which was basically the Wicked Witch and Dorothy um I was basically cast as the Wicked Witch a thousand different times and then I joined a radio play group called Fake Radio you can see that at fakeradio.net and we would do the radio play version of the Wizard of Oz over and over again and I just like I there was no shaking that movie ever 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 I do believe it has been my destiny to do this one woman show because when I tried I did not want to write it I did not want to do it I, it was because it looked like a giant mountain that was impossible like it right. is an impossible show the first thing that people say after they see it is like how did you do that it is impossible like yes it is impossible thank you for noticing because it took me forever it took me two years of arguing with the universe that I didn't want to do it but the universe is annoying the universe kept like I would go someplace and Oz would be written on the wall I would go someplace else and like I'd open up my social media I would go like for I don't know this was like four years ago I was bombarded with Wizard of Oz constantly as the universe was like it's time it's time it's time it's time it's time it's time and then eventually I I'm like, fine I'll do it but I'm not gonna perform it. I'm just gonna do it for the sake of, you know, rehearsing. So I, I, I found my, I took my director who lives in Portland, I live in LA, and I'm like, look, you're gonna direct it if you want to, but we're probably not gonna perform it, because this is crazy. You can't direct me from Portland over Skype for a theater show, that's crazy. He's like, yeah, that's crazy. It's, um, this whole show is impossible. Let's do it anyway. So we just showed up every week for two years. It took two years for me to memorize 80 pages of dialogue. It my, my vocal work was already there. Like, this is the thing. I'm vocally, as a character actor, at the highest I've at my, of my career. I'm at the point of mastership of, you know, becoming characters. That's what I've been doing for so long. I've been studying it since I was three. So this show is kind of like the opus for me. It's like where all the things that life has been trying to get me to do and practice and all the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of practice and classes and working and jobs and everything I've done has come to this head, this moment of this show where I get to show all the mastery I've, I've accomplished. And um, I did the first show to a very select audience of very close friends in Los Angeles. And it was so exceptional. It was such an exceptional energy and performance. I thought, oh, this is crazy. It, this was just a fluke performance. These were people who loved me and were just being really nice. You know, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, it couldn't have been that good. Nothing's ever gonna be that good. And then I did it again for the before the quarantine in Portland to an audience of strangers who responded the exact same way as the FLA audience. And I was like, oh crap, okay. 
And so the universe is right. Bottom line, if the universe is nagging, do it. It's going to continue to nag you. There is something everybody is has on their plate somewhere that they should be working on. Versus like, you should work on this. But you're, you're in your head, you're like, it's not gonna pay me. There's no point of doing it. It's gonna be too hard. This is impossible. Whatever that is, I'm proof that you gotta do it. You gotta do it. Don't think, feel, just do it. Do that thing. There, you have no choice anyway. Better to get it going. Get it started now. There's no race. You don't have to do it by next week. You don't even have to put a date on the timeline. I didn't put a date on the timeline. We just kept showing up and eventually the show was ready and we were like, I guess we should do it in front of an audience now. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that can uh, that can definitely benefit from that advice there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, it could, be, it could be anything. It could be uh, writing the cookbook or writing a book or creating a musical or if you're if you're a cosplayer creating the piece of costume you've been dying to make but you were like no i can't it's too hard it is time something that's really cool and something that i really uh, enjoy listening to your story is how your mindset is that there wasn't really any there wasn't any any obstacles that were in front of you you uh knocked them down yourself there was nothing that was a uh, all right well i'm not gonna do that uh you oh, said no, that. there were thousands of obstacles oh don't get me wrong burger no no there were every <laughs> up every day the obstacle being me i would show up and be like no i don't want to i had a temper tantrum every day i showed up to work on this i still worked on it what what i mean what i mean by that is that you didn't let yourself stop yourself uh right being, being but there that. was like, like, don't pretend that it was an easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. Of course, you know every. And a lot of temper tantrums and tears for real. Like I was like, this is impossible. I can't do this. I don't wanna. Why am I? Let's just run that one scene again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool to hear, and that's so like inspiring to listen to. I also know that you know. You are uh, when you was talking about doing voiceovers for sex scenes and things like that, and you're like, I'm not gonna look at it as uncomfortable. I'm a, I'm gonna make it work. Also, I know that you um used to do a lot of commercials, uh, for beer, for beer I companies. But you, I, I you don't hated drink beer. beer at all, and it was really weird that they kept hiring me for beer commercials when I don't drink beer. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, like that's so, like that's so incredible to like have this, this big story and this big tale, and it's like. <laughs> like a lot of people when they see certain things like you know they're like well that's a turnoff i'm not i'm not gonna do that and things like that like when i started like cause i do voice acting on the side myself and you know i'm so early and i'm so like you know a newcomer that you know i take any role i can get and i have and i met some friends and i met some cool people and uh a buddy of mine he was like ah you know what i had a got an offer from a job and i turned it down i'm like why wow. he was like ah oh, man this, this, this i don't want to be in hentai i'm like dude that's a credit like what's your yeah, I can't do hentai. I'm not gonna lie. I can't do hentai. I can't. Uh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm way too wholesome at this point that I'm just like that's all the content I want to watch is wholesome. I right. and I remember early on my mom asking, "Hey, when you can't find work, you could do phone sex." I'm like, "Yeah, no, no, I can't." If I learned any Milano sex scene was that I am not built for that. That is not my wheelhouse. <laughs> I didn't want it. I'm like, uh uh. So when I get like these, I'm like, oh, really? I, hmm. No, I'm, there are girls who can kill this stuff, but I'm not that person. I'm just not, I'm, I mean, my characters already look like fat material. I don't necessarily have to back it up with my acting. <laughs> 
but I think that I think that's cool. Like your your journey, your tales, and everything that you've been through is, oh. is really inspiring. It's like, yo, you know what? They're gonna be like, you know, do it. Like, you know, what I mean, there's always if you put the effort into it, it will pay off. And like everything that you've done and things like that, when you look at it and things like that, like you talked about, hey, you know, you doing Ed and Eddie and stuff like that. And at the time, uh, we didn't know how big it was, how big it was going to be. You know, uh-huh. we we thought it, you know. We they thought never, it was something small. Never had a, a clue. The cast had no idea. There was no social media. Right. So no, like for like seven years in, I kept having to fly up and go, guys, this is a huge hit in America. They're like, what? No, it's not. They had no proof. <laughs> they had no proof other than me coming back and saying, no, no, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. we over here, like Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and it seems like you've been in a lot of things that literally were sleeper hits. Uh, you know, just yeah. a couple of games that. Really League of Legends. Mind. When we first went in for League of Legends, it was this tiny little indie project we were doing a favor for. <laughs> and then, like all these things, just like blow up, and it, they become like another life in their own. And it, and it's crazy wow. when you it think is. about it, because just thinking of another title that you've been that just com- that come to mind is the the uh, Hyper Dimension si- series. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you uh, voice Nor. Popular. Yeah, yeah. That was years of work for me. Years of work. Yeah, and then on top of that, then it came back. It got more games. It got an animation and stuff like that, and like all these different uh, things that you're that you put yourself in and things yeah. like that. And then, like literally a day later, boom! Like wow, it's like I've been part of that, and like look how far it's, look how far it's become. With the problem, the problem with real life is that people think that they people think I'm going to be a voice actor, I'm going to be in a po- popular thing. That's not how this works. Right. That's just works. That's an illusion. The the thing is, I want to be a great actor. I want to master the craft of acting, which is a lifetime mastership. Like it takes years and years and years, and I can master certain things and still be weak in others. Like when I'm doing my one woman show, my voice work is the best it's ever been, but good God, my space work sucks because I hadn't done theater in 20 years. So having to relearn how to move into space and mime and all of that crap was so brutal and so hard because I hadn't done it in forever because I that area I hadn't mastered. So I had a master person teach me how to do that for the show. So when people say they want to be be on a famous anime, that's not how it works. What what happens is you become an actor, you do your best, you audition for everything, and I mean everything. You just audition, and you get you take some crappy jobs because you need to learn and you don't learn until you do so thinking that you can cherry pick the projects that you think will be a hit like got cast as Ural in World of Warcraft the first lead female in a World of Warcraft in like 10 years everyone at Blizzard was like she's gonna blow up it's gonna be huge your life is about to change blah 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 and then it was kind of like wah, wah. you know what I mean like <laughs> everybody expected that to blow up and to be a big thing like she's a great character she's good but she didn't like she wasn't she didn't become epic in the way that they were all predicting she would become epic Um, but she's still one of my all-time favorite characters regardless because she was the first female character in 10 years directed by a female voice director a writer and we were all like because it was all male dominated at that time so all of that was huge to us and I'm very proud of her proud of that character and I love and those fans are hardcore and I love them but it didn't end up being like Overwatch huge that they thought it would be which is kind of amazing and kind of exciting so you just don't know people don't know what's going to be popular you have no idea all you can do is show up 
do the work, do the best that you can for the work, for the project, for the writer, um, do everything you can and then let it go. You never know what's going to become popular. You never know. Right. Uh, so, Aaron, I wanted to ask you, um, and this is kind of building off of uh, what Berger was talking about, you know, of you being in so many different roles and so many uh, in so many different jobs and in acting, um, you know, it's pretty clear that, you know, you have quite a quite a lot of knowledge um, and experience in in your craft. Um, so one of the things I thought was interesting uh, that I saw was that, you know, you took the next step of that and decided to pass that knowledge on, you know, to those who may who may want that. You have a book out um, and you also do some personal coaching. Um, so I wanted to hear a little bit more about that, uh, specifically the book, uh, 10 Things Any Voice Actor would tell, would, will Tell You If They Were You. Um, so how did that idea of passing that knowledge come about? Like what, like, or, or how do you decide like what things to pick out? And it, it, again, real life is so much more simple than anything. Um, I, I, the, the question that irritated me the most at that time was how do I get into voice acting? I want to quit my job as a nurse. Someone told me I have a good voice. How do I get into voice acting? And I'm like, I have spent my entire life, you expect me to sentence answer, like that question used to piss me off. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna give the answer that I want to give. And I wrote it all out and it ended up being an ebook. Like that is literally, that 10 things, it's an ebook and um, that's my answer to the question, how do I become a voice actor? It's meant to answer for somebody who's never done it at all. And it goes from the very beginning of the process all the way through to become a professional it gives everything that I can possibly get, everything I have possibly experienced everything that I have possibly done every piece of advice I could possibly give is in that book it is it is absolutely a chock-a-block filled book of information on this industry from my perspective and what that's why I said if, if they were me because my perspective may not be the perspective of, of Yuri Lowenthal and Tara Platt who also have an ex excellent book yeah um, each person and their experience is totally different. I had no intention in getting into coaching because I didn't feel qualified. I've never felt qualified because um, I felt that the people who coach and they do the big classes and I'm like, oh, that's so fancy. And I, I take classes still, right? So I'm like, I don't think I'd be a good coach. But then I'm out with Stacey Aswad and Chuck Duran from VO Buzz Weekly. And if you're an, an aspiring voice actor, and if you're not watching VO Buzz Weekly, you are missing out on, on free education on this industry. They are, they vet everybody. Basically, if somebody is invited on their show, because not everybody is, they are at the top of their game. They are professionals. They are super high level. And I got the absolute total blessing of being invited to be on their show, which in itself I felt was validating my entire career. I'm like, I got invited? They invited me? <laughs> but they don't invite everybody. How did I get invited? They and I got invited and I did the show and I became very close friends after that and fell madly in love with each other. And um, a few years later, states were opening a private coaching site called Open Coaches and they only all from you know the highest level of commercials cartoons video games and they asked me if I wanted to coach and I'm like I, I, I've been asked to coach I mean I've done a couple of like guest appearances at workshops before and they did love it um, because I wasn't the main person and then I was like I don't know if I could do it so they said why don't you just try it test it out see if you like it. 
And to me, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be a classic acting coach for, you know, like people who are already professional. Um, I feel like people who are already fine tuned certain aspects, but I know what I am good at. I'm really good at working with people who are just starting out, just like at the very beginning, who don't know, who have never taken an acting class. I am, because I, I used to teach and I used to teach at a, a community center in Canada, uh, improv classes for little kids. And I loved doing that. I just mm -hmm. loved doing that. So I thought, okay, I remember doing that. So I started working with people mostly who were beginners and also anybody on the spectrum. I love working with actors who are on the spectrum because of access to emotions and performance in a different way than neuronormative um, actors. And so I, I also have like this really niche that really, that, that really, I end up attracting a lot of um, clients who are working in this industry in that area, which has been really satisfying and wonderful for me because I get to see a whole entire new form of actor being born. Um, and so I just started doing it and I much prefer one-on-one. -on -one. I have done big groups, workshops before and, and I do enjoy them, but I much prefer one-on-one because one-on-one I can fine tune. I can focus on weaknesses and strengths. I can, and it's more of a playtime, like you're working with another actor. So I'm not a casting director. I'm not going to cast you in anything. When you're working with me, it's not about your performance. It's about process. People work with me because they want to be ugly part be ugly in the process they want to be able to suck without judgment they want to be able to explore new things and not be afraid because um, how do you get into a character if you're brand new to this and you think you all of a sudden have to be at a performance level that's impossible nobody can do that you yeah. can't just show up to the hospital your first day of studying to be a doctor and go like i better do heart surgery today. No, you gotta, you've got, you've got to get into the nitty gritty. You've got to deconstruct yourself. You've got to know your instrument, which is your body. It's your emotion, your physical body, your emotional body, your mental body, your vocal body. You need to know everything there is to know about you. Like acting is a process and it takes a long time and a lot of practice to get, get really good at it. So you want to have a space and create habits that you do by yourself every day. Everything I teach with somebody, even if they only come to me once, is so that they can practice every single day for the rest of their lives. From vocal warm-ups to acting exercises to creating characters. It's stuff that they can use every day for the rest of their lives to get better and better and better and better and better. That's what I focus. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's extremely like I know a lot of people that's uh, that's when they listen to this, uh, you might have a lot of people reaching out to you for that because you know. Oh, a lot of then I should say that Open Coaches doesn't exist anymore. You can reach me at AaronFitzCoaching at gmail .com for that. You guys heard it. Yeah, Aaron at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so like that's so important when like as you talk about and think like information and you're you know, you gotta learn. You you have to know and like, you know, the mindset is of going in is like, hey, just like going into something and being like, All right, I'm gonna be in the one real big role and that's it. And you have to do the groundwork. I remember when I first started doing comedy and uh I, we, I would perform in, in basically in front of nobody, bowling alleys, uh, uh, yep. restaurants where people didn't want to hear you and, and things like that. Like, and I worked my way up uh, bit by bit. Yep. Yeah, yep. bit by bit. Five people turned, one person turned to two people, three people turned to six people. And then, you know, I worked my way up and like, I'll never forget 
you know how it started because i see so many people that's inspiring to be like hey i want i want to do this and but i want to be on the grand stage and you have to understand that those little steps get you ready for the grand stage because if you throw yourself in that role and you're not prepared you know you're only messing up your own career you get one you get one chance to make a good impression exactly and, and a bad impression lasts forever yeah, well, it, you can you can come back from a bad impression, but it, it will take a really long time. Yeah. Even like, for me as an actor, like when I've worked with people who were not ready to be in the booth with somebody who'd been working as long as I have, like it 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 changed my opinion of them for a really long time. Like it took me years to to listen to them with fresh ears because that impression of how horrible their performance was stuck with me. It's every time I saw them, I'm like, oh my god, how person working they're terrible like that that it's and i'm not even hiring them you know so like my opinion of them is not going to affect their career at all but my opinion of them will be mentioned to other people if asked like oh yeah mm -mm. Uh, but now you know and again over the time they got better and they improved and they probably had some really rough experiences and all the practice makes a difference but it took a long time for me to listen to people who pushed themselves out too early into the professional world it took a really long time for me to hear them as a professional yeah yeah like like that's so like once again like i i keep i have to hammer it down that's so cool and that's so amazing to hear someone with so much passion and you genuinely want to see the next uh world the next generation of acting yes. and things like that like you know I mean, more actors means more playing together. And I, there's no one I love. I love I, the one of the things I hate about this job is not getting to be in the room with other actors all the time, especially with the quarantine. Like I'm, I, I need other human, which is stupid that I'm doing a one woman show, but I am acting off myself. Like I literally have 28 characters are acting off of each other and it, it feeds me. Um, but I, the thing is that it's so important. It's so important to honor the process and honor being an actor and honor everything. It, and there's no rush. I don't care where you are. Don't rush to get into. Here's the thing. I would have done this whether I got paid or not for the rest of my life. There's no question. And that when I get to and lull periods and every career, there's there's huge peaks and then you go to valleys where it's like, oh my god, I can barely book a job to save my life. And you have to know what you can do with your, yourself in the valleys. And in the valleys is where you find out whether you love this as a craft or if you're chasing it for ego and vanity purposes. Right. Because if you're chasing this career for ego and vanity, you will never make it through the valley. And there's always a valley. And there can be multiple valleys in in someone's career it's a normal thing even Jen Hale talks about it because sometimes your voice ends up oversaturating the market and they need to take a break from you they've seen you too much they need someone new um, but eventually they come if you've got the chops and you've got the talent you're back in the cycle again of being as you know book book more often but if you can't get through the to the slow times the, the slow creative times if you don't know how to create for yourself if you don't know how to continue your craft without booking the work then maybe this isn't the, the career for you yeah yeah, yeah. i tell people always uh no matter what what whatever they do listen if you have something that you love that you really yeah. like to do you know chase the love chase the dream don't chase the money because if yes, you huh? love what you're doing yes. if yeah. you love what you're doing the money will follow like there's yes. never it their passion yes. will always come through always come through if you're an animator it's the same thing if you're not working on your craft all day every day then chances are you're not in love with it yeah yeah you know yeah. what i mean because when you love something you can't stay away from it you're always thinking 
there's something about it. Like even when I'm not, when I don't look like I'm doing anything and I'm staring out the window, odds are pretty good that I'm running characters through my head where I'm thinking about a performance I loved. You know, like I, it just, it's always on. I'm always on, which is why I watch a lot of reality TV. That's the only way to turn it off. <laughs> right, right, right. But that just that just goes to credit, you know, how passionate how passionate you are about this. You know, even subconsciously, you know, you're doing little yeah. things. You're you're always trying to improve. You're always trying to get better, and that's a great thing. Uh, you know, that's a great way to you know humble yourself as well, because it's like you know I can always get better. There's no peak. There's no peak for me there right now. A, and there's no perfection. There's no right. such thing as a perfect take. There's no such thing as a perfect performance. And this is another thing that drives me crazy, because there's an entire generation of directors for for voice acting that um they think that there's a perfect take because they have a read stuck in their own head that's not perfect that's just one interpretation here's the thing if you are being a character like legitimately become another person whatever they choose to do is correct why because that's the way human beings some human beings laugh at a funeral some you cry, you know, at a stand-up comic. Human beings going to react to anything. There is no standard human reaction to anything. It's all based on the person and their and their life experiences and everything they've thought and what they want. So if a character is being true to themselves, then a take can't be wrong. You can have multiple takes, which are just different choices. You can go down different avenues of exploration of what the character might do, different quantum realities. But it doesn't mean any of them are wrong. It's right. just what would be best for this project in this moment, based on the other the other choices that the other actor made. What what's what resonates? What resonates right. with the project? But none of them are wrong. It's only the only thing that's wrong is if I don't believe you. If I don't believe you, if I don't believe what you're saying as that character, then I call BS. You are not acting. You are performing. I want an actor. I want to know. You are pretending. Right. Believe you. You know how I know when I don't believe something? Because I don't feel anything. Right. If I yeah. watch a movie and I know I should be crying because they're crying and everybody upset on the screen, but I'm not crying, I'm not watching actors, I'm watching performers. Yeah, I think that's a powerful statement there. Um, <laughs> uh, and so one thing that I wanted to talk about and, uh, you know, we and if this is something that, you know, isn't like, you know, something that you want to answer, that's fine. You know, we can just cut sure. it completely. But uh, one thing... One thing that you have on your website, um, you have a small section on there about religion and faith. Um, yeah. So I got curious about that because, um, you know, I'm, you know, where I fall on the uh, religious spectrum is, you know, I, I, I'm spiritual, you know, and I have yeah. grew up in the church and all that. But I'm just kind of curious, you know, how has faith, you know, if at all impacted your career at all or like the way you wow. move in this? I love that question because no one asks it ever. ever. That's my favorite question ever, I've ever been asked at any time. Thank you. Um, for me, I've also always been a spiritual person. My parents didn't have any particular religion, so I was free to believe whatever I wanted. I investigated every religion I could find. I tried it on. I tested it out. I was like, hmm, what works for me? Um, I kind of had made a hodgepodge of my favorite things of each religion and kind of made my own little belief system for a long time there. And then around the age of 24, um, I was working with a guy named Tim Cardinal in Vancouver. I was, I was assistant stage manager at the arts club and he was the lighting designer. And um, I was hanging out with this dude every day and he was so chill all the time. Mm -hmm. Like 
it's a high stress situation working in live theater and everybody gets yelling and screaming and every it's very dramatic but Tim always smiled he always had a sense of humor he never took anything too seriously he was always very chill and I had been trying to be like him probably for two years before I finally gave up and went Tim how can I be more like you and he just calmly with his very calm self looked up to me and said hey have you heard of the hue what have you heard of the hue I'm like no I've never heard of the what's the hue he's like you know hue like human hue it's an ancient name for God we're called humans because we're God men I'm like oh my god what is that he's like I don't know you have to sing it I'm like what <laughs> I'm gonna have to sing it so he just you know closed my eyes and hue there's no wrong way you can do it to any note anyway say it you can spell it there's no wrong way to do the He's like, go and do that for two two weeks. Don't do do more than 20 minutes at a time. He said, definitely don't do more than 20 minutes at a time. But you can do 20 minutes per day and see what, how that works for you. And, and if, if you like it, then come back and I'll give you some books. So uh, I went away and I sang no more than 20 minutes at a time. Uh, sometimes I did it with my eyes closed. Sometimes I did it while I was walking around. Sometimes I spelled it. Sometimes I sang it to my favorite tune. Uh, and after a few days, there was this feeling inside me that was like melty. That is mm -hmm. the best <laughs> there was like a melty because I felt like up until that point in my 20s, everyone always because in Canada you're taught to be polite, right? So you say thank mm -hmm. you always. You always say thank you, and I I had really got to this existential place of feeling like I had never said thank you and really meant it at by that age that I was always saying thank you out of obligation and never felt like the gratitude that should be felt when you say thank you and I don't know what the hue did but the best way I could describe it is that it opened my heart and it opened my heart to be able to give and receive love in a way I never had experienced it before and not like I'm in love with you love but general like kindness yeah just just the uh, the love that I had seen other people capable of but I up until that point I was not capable of it and then in those two weeks I experienced it I experienced that thing I had been chasing my entire life and I was like holy smokes I just found my glove that fits me perfectly so I went back to him and he said that he was reading all these from a, re a religion called Ekenbar and he, um, but he said that the hue didn't belong to Ekenbar, that the hue could be found in almost every religion, going all the way back to beginning times, and it's non-denominational, and anybody can use it. So, like, if you're Christian or Catholic or Jewish or Muslim, you can still use the hue. You can just sing hue and add it to whatever you're doing. But he was like, but since I was so specific about being interested in this Ekenbar, he gave me a couple of books, and I remember reading the first book I read at the end of it, I was like, oh my God, somebody wrote down the religion that's been stuck in my head. <laughs> it was like, it fit me. It's everything I had, I had pieced together from all these other religions was exactly in this book in the way that I was like, oh, I feel like I wrote this book, but I didn't write this book. This is amazing. And that was it. And here I am, I don't know, four years later, I still sing with you every day. I am what's called an Ekist, a member of Ekinkar. For me, it works. It's not necessarily for everybody. Right. Um, definitely, uh, it still fits me like a glove. It, it, it's exactly the thing. So how does that impact me? Man, there is no way I could have done this career without my relationship with spirit or the force. <laughs> you know what uh -huh. I mean? 
there is no way I have to surrender to the force and I use Star Wars terms because I love Star Wars terms uh, I, I surrender to the force every day I, I it allows me to get to a place of relaxation my favorite thing is coincidences because I feel that every coincidence you experience is actually a gift from the light and sound of God mother father creator of all that whatever you use anything it's irrelevant to me that that force yeah <laughs> So that every time I experience a coincidence, I, I, I feel like it's it's a message from the universe spirit letting me know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Tuning into that has allowed my coincidence experience to speed up tremendously. And so I'm my whole life flowing from one coincidence to the next coincidence and, and listening and obeying. Like when spirit was really loud, kicking my butt about doing the one woman show, it was really loud. Like the coincidences, like every five seconds to get me to do that show. Yeah. So to the point I'm like, okay, I hear you. Okay. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I don't think I could do this career without it. I don't know how people get through life without what any form of belief system they have, whether it's one they created, whether it's one that fits them like a glove. Um, I don't know how people would do it because I know that life is a challenge. It's really hard and it, getting down through is a real thing and challenges like we're living through right now um, require an open heart and compassion in a way that, um, you know, even for myself, like I'm having to find a whole other level of kindness, love and compassion right now that maybe I haven't been exercising for a while, but I'm definitely tuning back into it. And that can only make my work better. It can only make my work better because right. then I can fall in love with the characters and understand their plights more and understand the challenges and let them be who they are without judgment. You know, if I can let my characters be who they are without judgment, then maybe I can let my neighbor be who they are without judgment. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah. that's a win. Yeah, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, yeah, I think that was that was great um yeah. and it's super important too the way how you described it and the way how it how you, when you explain that listen you know i mean nothing should be forced upon anyone and i think that's uh you know that's the biggest thing when people yes. are growing up they're you know they're like well mom dad you you like that so i i guess i gotta like it too you know and things are forced upon them and they go up there and they grow up their whole life you know being felt like they're in this position but when you find something that you genuinely connect with and you find something like hey this this is me because i know so many people and so many people with uh different uh, religious backgrounds you know muslim and uh atheist spiritualism uh christians and it's right. so many different people and, and it's fascinating and i love talking to everybody like this is a it, this is a conversation nobody has with me but I love talking about it no matter what religion someone is. If somebody comes at me and they've got a love for spirit, God, I will talk about that for hours with them. I absolutely, one of my favorite things. I don't care what, what spiritual path you follow. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel that same sentiment because at the end of the day, like, I, I, I love people, you know what I mean? And if I understand, like, you know, religion plays a big role in getting people through, through life. Yeah. And I, I love hearing about the I love hearing about that tale. I love I love the story of the conqueror. I love yeah. it when people be like, "Yeah, I got past this, and this is, but yeah. I got past it. And I'm doing it now." And you know, there's no better feeling in the world than hearing that because there's so much negativity surrounding us sometimes. Yeah, 
There's so much negativity. I know people who don't have any spiritual path whatsoever, but tune into almost like kindness as the way station for them. And for them, kindness becomes a form of religion. Like it doesn't matter to me, you know, is because a lot of people are turned off by the word God. A lot of, so it's not about the labels or the words we use. Right. But what mm -hmm. are you practicing? And if somebody's practicing giving love and giving kindness, that's a spiritual person to me, whether they call themselves spiritual or not. Yeah, and Definitely. I think a lot of people, you know, when you underline it and you look at the overall picture, everything wants, everyone kind of wants to do the same thing. Be kind, be genuine, be genuine. You know, be a genuine person. You know, the love that you give will be returned. Word, you that's know? it. Laws of returns are real. Yeah. Absolutely. Even like Ricky Gervais, who is a proclaimed atheist, like he's one of the most spiritual people I have ever seen. And he is a he is a self-proclaimed atheist. And I'm like, isn't that fascinating? It doesn't bother me. I don't care if you're an atheist. It's how you live your life and what you're putting out into me. And to me, watching him live his life, he's one of the most spiritual, anti-spiritual people I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you know, just to anybody that's listening to this and things like that, listen, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, your personal belief or what you believe in, you know, that doesn't shape, you know, that isn't gonna shape my ideal of you. Yeah. You know, you'll find people, like, you'll find people that love you for who you, for exactly yeah. for who you are. Yeah. And yeah. the best way to go about doing it is just to be genuine. People that's can it. pick up fakeness so fast. It's like, what? ah, you don't, you don't really want to be here. So, and there are people you know. who have religions that practice fakeness. So like, it's not like being in a religion makes you a better person because there's plenty of people who are in a religion who do not practice kindness or love or anything. Yeah. Oh know? yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, we see it all the time. Yeah, yeah. All the time. So it really is a case, and I think it's such a private thing, you know, somebody who's practicing uh, any form of spiritual belief. Um, and I say practicing by like, for me, practicing means I connect with right. that divine source yeah. okay. just me me and it and i don't say here her i say as whatever because i don't know what it is yeah i agree but i do believe that i need to connect with it daily for me that's how i get through my day i use the hue in order to connect it is the fastest hookup for me so what somebody else does is irrelevant to me i have no judgment i mean I don't know what works for different people, but I know what works for me and what makes me a better human being. And that's all I can do. And that's more than enough. And it's plenty of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know a lot of people are like, man, this is, when the show turned into this, and it's like, listen, uh, it, it's so much important information to, to be given out. And there's so much in well, everything. Even, somebody, even if it's one person who needed to hear. Yeah, like everything is a chance to learn. And, I, and, and I, honestly, maybe somebody's looking at a, a, some sort of spiritual book that they've been afraid to pick up. It could be from any path or maybe an opposite path of one that they're used to. And they're just curious. Maybe this is the, the moment they get permission to just yeah. check it out. Yeah, like, like you said, like everything, I feel that everything has a has a purpose. Yeah. yeah. You know, even even negativity, you know what I mean? It's, I feel like that has a purpose. I, 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 I used to yeah, I teach I students and things like that. And like, you know, I, I deal with students that, you know, go through bullying and, 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 and sadness. And, right. you know, the, it's a lot of, I, I don't know if I can handle it. And I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to speak to you. But I, but I'll tell you this, that everything that you're going through now yeah. is to make you a stronger and yeah. better person than ever before. I look at the same thing in relationships. I, I told my wife, you know, before we even, you know, you know, before we got married, I was like, listen, every relationship I had up to this point before I met you was to mentally prepare me 
<laughs> for what me and you are about to go through. Absolutely. So if I didn't go through those things, Nothing I wouldn't be. Nothing yeah. is wasted. It is like sometimes I th- it fascinates me the things that I thought, well, this is a total random life tangent that I went and experienced. And then like years later, I end up working on a project where that exact, for, oh, for example, I was with for years. I was with a guy who watched nothing but classic kung fu movies from the seventies and eighties. I watched all the classic kung fu movies with him. In it, in my head, I'm like, this is a waste of my time. But it was really um not not real waste of my time because it was really great to watch and I loved them and I became a huge fan in my own right. And then I booked Chie Satanaka, where I used every single knowledge of every single kung fu. Movie. Oh. Yeah. None of that was wasted. None of that. Not a second of my life has been wasted. All of it has had a purpose eventually. Whether, I mean, that three-year-old me doing The Wizard of Oz, like, <laughs> not in a million years would I have projected that this is where I Yeah, yeah. And that is, it's, it's very interesting that you bring that up because that's something I wanted to talk about. Uh, that, especially being that the characters that you've been has changed how a lot of people a lot of people think a lot how a lot of people feel and the character that is Chie Satanaka and what and what that character means for a lot of people in the anime world and video game world and things like that like people connect to these characters I, I read a story one time uh, uh Troy Baker who played the original voice for Kanji you know and how Kanji was portrayed that inspired a lot of people yeah. to yeah. be like you know what I'm okay like I'm okay I'm okay being this way and a lot of people called him and, and thanked him personally. And he played a big role in that. And just like your character, your character plays such a big role into like bringing people together and, yeah. you know, believing yourself. And that's something personally I love about, the, you know, the Persona 4, like Persona 4, the Persona series in general. I have so yeah. much love for the game, but just like Persona 4, yeah. it yeah. dealt with things that I felt like a lot of games was never dealing with. And that's what, and that was inner struggles. Yes, and like it was the first game where I felt like I granted I know that like these these characters, these female characters in this game have tropes of their own. But let's be real, Western animation wasn't representing females in the way that was at that time. And so like getting to play the the woman, with the girl who who shunned her womanhood, which you know in itself is kind of a horrific thing to say. But but the, the fact that she becomes like this kind of like gender neutral human being in her own right of like she can be and do whatever she wants beyond the like she's not she's not feminine but she's not masculine masculine she gets to be whatever she wants to be and she may not even be decided on what that is yet you know what i mean and i love that i love the complexity of human beings being themselves and and part of what i loved about her is that i could dive into her so much without having to like one of the things that really irritated courting for persona q and all of a sudden she had this absolute huge fear of ghosts and i was like no like i had so i was so resistant to that they're like but we should they hinted that in the previous games i'm like i guess so but it seems so it seems so weak of her and, sh- and to me she was so strong in my head to, to give her a weakness like that was so hard so w- it took me i literally ran around in circles working up that like i because i have had experiences that literally terrified me and i just went back to those moments of like oh my god i'm gonna p- put chie in that situation and i got her there 
but man, it was hard. Yeah, I, I can I can agree. I remember when I when I when I played uh, Persona Q for the first time, and I'm and I played you know Persona Three and Persona Four. I'm like, man, they're all my characters are kind of tropes now. Like Akihiko was like such a cool <laughs> like chill dude, and now he's like this muscle head who right. has to who has right. to drink protein twenty four seven. Yeah. 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 But I, I really appreciate like, you know, the 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 role that, you know, the effort that you put in. And then, you know, a lot of people tend to forget Chia was recast and you became yeah. the official voice actor for Persona 4 Golden, which was yeah. the game and Altenax and all those and all those all the spin-off oh, titles and things like that. Four, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and people and a lot of people was went on credit to being like, Wow, like your Chia had so much life. I expected people to hate it. Like I figured I was gonna get nothing but hate because I've experienced it before where, you know, as soon as the second actor comes in, you know when once you've been programmed to a voice, it's really hard to adjust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I expected it to be a backlash. What I didn't expect was there to be such a huge embracing. I did not expect that. And that's been the biggest gift out of all of this is to take to be the second person to take over a role and for fans to welcome her with open arms. That, that's the producers are smart and knew what they were doing. Yeah, I, I gotta admit it. Cause you know, I, I had a personal attachment. Like I, I played both versions, you know, Persona 4 and the Golden. And I love both iterations of Chie, you know, of what they represent and who that, they are. I love there's room to love both. There's room to love both. There's room, to, cause there is a, like I said, there's no wrong choices. There's just right. different directions. Right, so right. Tracy's Chie was a, a Persona 3, more of a Persona 3 kind of direction. And when they did Golden, they wanted to go in a more Scooby-Doo-like direction. Yeah. I was built for Scooby-Doo-like direction. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I, and I never thought, you know, that being a, that being an issue, you know, especially because it obviously came across and it goes back to what we originally was talking about. When you put the love and passion into it. Yeah it will be received with the same love and respect. Yeah, you know I, I mean, mean she was, here's the beautiful thing I love about Chia. Hype anime, but she's still exceptionally real at the same time. And I know for a lot of people, extremely annoying and irritating because they want one or the other. They want either hyper animated or really real. But I love that I got to prove that you can do both. Yeah. 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 And. And, and wow, what have like you know Persona has done? Because I that was the that that is credited as the the JRPG game that really got more of the games coming over to the to the West. They, wow. they're, they're saying that yeah, that was you didn't know that. Yeah, they're they're saying that Persona 4 Golden was the JRPG game that really got people coming over. Oh, that, okay. that, that a that made wow. the Persona franchise what it was because you know. Persona, like you know, I played I played all all the games. I've always been a fan of them. You know, right. Persona Three was my first one, and uh, but Persona Four was the game I bought with my own money. I brought Persona Three wow. friend, and I loved it. And I was like, man, this is great. And then, at the time, the game was still niche in a sense. It was still very, it was, it was still very niche. You know, yeah. you either, you had your group of people who knew about it. And you have people, a whole slew of people who, who did not know about it. Yeah, it's totally what's going on for the P5 cap. Again, one of those things, like P4 still to me is like a sleeper hit um, that not everybody has played. P4 laid the ground for P5 to be as yeah. epically huge as it is, but I'm not a part of that in that same way. You know what I mean? Like totally different universe. Whereas P5 yeah. has blown up in the way level of Overwatch, 
or fire emblem. And so I'm, I'm the woman who ends up in the projects right before they get that kind of big, usually. Like I'm in fire emblem before everyone played fire emblem. <laughs> and, then, and now, you know, I'm not in houses. I mean, I'm in P4, um, not in P5. I mean, I'm in P5, but you know, it's not the same as like being Chie in P4. So it's like, I, and I get to watch the, the fascinating, just the way life works. And if I were attached, if I were attached to things being popular, I wouldn't be handling it well, right? Like right. if I were, I would, I would not be happy for the people who are working on P5. I wouldn't be, I'd feel left out. But I don't feel any of that because I'm very happy with what, um, where I landed in the journey of all of it. And I get to be a part of, I'm part of the important stepping stones that got it to where it is, which is so cool for the entire industry. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So many people, so many people were able to, uh, their first experience is Persona 5 and, you know, they're like, yeah. wow. And then by, by experiencing those games and then, you know, hopefully one day we get that I would love for a remake. Uh, it, yeah, like I want that, I want Golden on some different platforms. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. it, it would sell crazy too. But I by people playing fun. that, they, they in turn go back and I tell people, I'm like, yo, if you love Persona 5, you'll love Persona 4 because yeah. It's a it's another story. It's another it's a whole another adventure. Those rides, those emotions you have. And it's not as dark. It's not as dark. Like let's be real. Like P five is dark. Like I yeah. remember recording it. Like the story, and it was before the twenty sixteen election when we recorded it. And I was like, Good God, this is so horrifying. And then the twenty sixteen election and twenty sixteen happened, and then twenty seventeen happened, and I realized, Oh my God, P five was prophetic. It was a freaking prophecy. Nothing had happened yet. Yeah, it's so creepy. Yeah, it tackled so many like so many dark issues. Yeah, like oh man, this is how the government really thinks. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, but I, I still... perfect timing, insanely perfect timing. Again, yeah. nothing is not exactly where it's supposed to be because that is perfect timing. Yeah. Allowing people to play it as a video game to 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 understand. Like I think that I mean that's poetic. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I, well, go ahead, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm such a fan. No, I mean, I get it. Like, I mean, <laughs> Persona is one of my personal favorite game series. I mean, I didn't play much of five, but Persona 4 was the one that I, that oh. like, that got me into it. And I absolutely loved it. So, I mean, I totally get it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so, kind of jumping subjects a little bit. Um, so you recently started streaming? Oh, I've been streaming for three years now. Oh, okay. Being, um, I just started playing on my PlayStation, and once PlayStation uh, 4 was like, you can stream on Twitch, I'm like, okay. So I started streaming on and then I started just, and it just grew from there. So people kept tuning in, and then I became an affiliate, and then I just, and I'm like, oh, well, if I'm going to do this, I should probably do it, do it. So then yeah. I got a little PC so I could get OBS, and I set up a little OBS system, yeah. and it's not a huge community. I don't, I don't have hundreds of people that tune in, but I have a solid, strong community that shows up. So when I game, I don't have to game alone. When I game, there is a, a community of people who show up to all the different games that I stream, and um, I'm not doing it for more than I think. I mo mostly I do it for the community, and because I'm going to be playing video games anyway, I might as well be playing with people who know how to get through the game better than I do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, do you find like have you always been a gamer, or was or did you just start yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, I was around when the first systems came out. It was a big deal. Yeah. What are some okay. of your favorite titles? 
Oh, well, I had a, uh, the very first, I had an Apple IIe, I was playing some game, like, I think one was called Digger and Ultima 2. It was the first Digger. computer game I ever played. And then I we got a ColecoVision, so Venture and uh, whatever the hell other games were on ColecoVision. And then Pendo Entertainment System, and so Zelda and um, all the all the Nintendo games. Like, obviously, that became, because I was young, you know, so when I, the Nintendo games are perfect. So I didn't have a, a, anything other than a Nintendo for years. I stuck to Nintendo until I got my first PlayStation. And then uh, for the for the PlayStation, uh, there was Final Fantasy VII that came out. And that was, I played that a thousand times from PlayStation to PlayStation 2 to PlayStation 3 to PlayStation. Like, I can, will play that game forever, ever, and to forever at the end of time. I put, I had other games too. I don't remember what they were, but, <laughs> but you know, like I have, I'd get boxes of games, try them out, play them, give them away. Um, I was definitely, yeah, I've always been, a, always, always. Cool. Cool. I love hearing about, you know, different people's like taste and like other games that, you know, other people like, like, yeah, especially, yeah. you know, when it's like, oh yeah, I used to play that too. That's so like, that's so awesome. And like, I'm actually like, I, I was able to convince and get my uh, my wife into gaming and stuff like yeah. that and, and like it's an experience we experience together now like we'll play hey. phoenix Wright series and stuff like that we love, and we, love the, we love the phoenix Wright series uh but yeah, i know we're i know we're wrapping up on time so sorry if we took up extra time but if, uh, um, oh that's great uh but something i wanted to ask but you know before we close out i know that jeremy has a fan question he has some okay. questions from the fans and things like that okay. but uh and i know how important like you know you said it yourself all your rules that you do are important uh yeah. that you've ever because you know every chance you get the voice act you know it's a privilege you know you get a chance to bring life into any into a character you know yeah. and that character has a chance to connect with different people is there yeah. any other character that you can think of that you have a strong connection with yourself where you're like, yeah, I'm so, so like, that's crazy that I was able to do this. Well, I'm madly in love with the character I play on the Storybot series. Um, the thing about that, her and that sh series is first of all, to me, I've only ever dreamt as a child, like my whole destiny was to work with Jim Henson. And then when I was around 18, Jim Henson passed away and I started crying in a way where I thought, oh my God, I can't live my dream. And when I, I remember working on the first day of Ask the Storybots and thinking, oh my God, this is the new Sesame Street. Every inch of my body and every cell, I felt like this, this is what I saw. And the guy who, one of the animators uh, who's, who plays, he also plays Bing on the show. He looks like a young Jim Henson. So I thought, I wonder if I had like one of those prophetic dreams and I thought I was gonna work with Jim Henson, but really it was Jeff that I saw. <laughs> I just misinterpreted the dream. And here I am, because uh, it feels like Sesame Street mixed with Electric Company, mixed with Schoolhouse Rock. It's just the coolest show I've ever been on. Um, it's so, and the character Beau is, it, each character has kind of like a, a role to play. And mine is the, the emotions and the love of the, of the series. She's basically the big bird, you know, she's all love, she's mm -hmm. all heart. And getting to be her, like if I, playing her for hours at a time with the cast I get to play. And we get, we record together. So already it's a huge love fest and I'm already like blown away at the things I've gotten to do. And they use me for a lot more than, like I've played probably a hundred characters on that series at this point, including doing songs, original songs as a guest characters. Like they've, they've used my capacity as an actor to its fullest. 
Um, no job has ever used me to the capacity that they have used me. And then Bo is just, she's like, she's where I want to, she's my goal spiritually. I want to get to where Bo is just in that place of always being kind, always being um, loving, always putting her friends first, always having, um, always wanting to help and, and make people feel good, always into rainbow unicorns. <laughs> she's just so yeah. lovely. And so being her is like, it's, it's that practice, what is it, fake it till you make it? You know, uh -huh. she's so wholesome. The show is so wholesome and yet still funny enough that parents will want to watch it and not shoot their faces off. It's a big deal to me. Um, yeah. I, I feel like she represents for me the future of my career, of where I want to go. Um, I want to do more of the young children stuff because kids being brought up, if this is the future, if we are now resetting the reality of Earth, based on this experience we're living right now, then the, the, the kids being brought in at this time are gonna be the most important focus. Um, we need to give them a, a lot more love and attention in the ways that we can because it's gonna be some challenging times. So I really would like to energetically kind of shift into more content that is like that. Um, if, if, if I were allowed to pick the content that I work on, which I'm not, yeah. but, but I put it out there to the universe of like, wow, you know what, it's so, satisfying to me in my heart that I want to do a lot more of that. So hopefully, hopefully more of that will appear as well. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's, it's, it's doing such a real good job. Cause I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I actually, I play story boss and it's a good show, right? Yeah. I play, yeah. I, I play with my students and I'm like, Oh great. It's learning. And it's like, Oh, this is in there. And they dig it. You know, like kids love it. I, I've been to like, a, I go to like, uh, recreation centers and yes. play it. and like you said it's it's just, it's the new generation for like sesame street you know those shows back then where kids would sit down and be like all right uh we want you guys to we want you guys to learn but you guys still need to be entertained because we know how kids are and, and just it's high same. level learning it's not yeah it's not like yeah it's literally okay you want to know how planets are made let's go for a two-year-old yeah yeah and like you just see like 20 30 30 kids sitting down in the seat yeah. and paying attention and you know how hard that I is I've learned so much like every time we record an episode I'm like oh my god I didn't know any of this I didn't know any of this I didn't know how airplanes fly like it was amazing <laughs> that show and, and they're finally coming out with toys after all these years and they're finally coming out with toys this year so keep an, a lookout for the because you can get a plush bow doll and um, I talk like I, I recorded lines for the bow doll I'm very excited I'm That's so yeah. awesome. I'm so thrilled. Yeah. You're going to be signing a lot of those. I think. <laughs> oh, Seriously. Gosh. Maybe in you know, when they're all grown up. When they're all grown <laughs> up. Because <laughs> right. I don't want them to know I exist. I want them to have the illusion that is the way I had the illusion right. was real. Yeah. I don't want them to know that I exist. Right, yeah. right, right. I want right. Them to be And I'm yeah. her best friend. I'm just really lucky. Right. <laughs> That's how parents are going to introduce us. Like, hey, guess what? Did you know that Aaron is actually best friends with Boner? <gasps> can you tell her something for me? And then you'll exactly. all Exactly. And then I can get phone messages, but let me text Bo right now. Let's see if she can do a phone message for you. Like, that's how I do it. I play it totally as um, as Bo's best friend. It works yeah. really well. It, and then we don't have to destroy the illusion. Definitely. Um, so that actually kind of brings me into a question that um, that I got from one of my friends. So um, she actually watches uh, Storybots with her toddler, and you know that's something that they do together and they really love. 
Um, but she wanted to know what the process of what the process was like for creating these episodes. Could you have the kids asking the questions and then you know the storybots will go and seek out the answer so um was just the question was just on the on that process like is it like do they well, so are, are they all pre-recorded or yeah yeah the, the creators um the evan and, and his brother greg um they didn't have a foreign like they made this whole thing up they never made a show before they were very famous for the jib jab company they built jib jab and it was doing exceptionally well but they literally so what they did is they had like a hundred kids ask questions and they went through all of those questions and then they picked out questions and then they videotaped the kids asking the question on video for the first and then they built episodes and wrote episodes around the questions legitimately those episodes were created based on the questions that the children came up with then the second season because it was more popular people were already sending in videos of their children <laughs> like okay and, and it became like they would just go through and they could only do eight episodes a year of ask the story bots because it was so it took so long to create one episode because you can see the quality like those episodes are very expensive episodes the, the quality yeah. that goes into that show is nowhere there's no other show putting in that quality um so yeah it, it took it takes a year to do at that time to do eight episodes of ask the story bots so um so they would they they would they write out the entire episode around the question. They would have the interstitials that they were going to put in. When we would go in to record, the whole cast goes in together, and we watch what's called an animatic, where they rough animate it so that we get a sense of where our characters are in relation to the other characters, what they're doing, because there's a lot of action. Like these are like tiny little action movies. Uh. So we getting to see it and and listen to the temp voices, which is my favorite thing. The act the other animators who do my temp voice i love them so much and um, then we go into the booth and then unlike other sessions which are four hours and you would just record and leave um we did eight hour sessions so that we could not only record the entire script um together do any improvisations we wanted to do together like they let us go rogue anytime we want um, and then we, they would bring each of us back in to record each line individually, just in case we were, um, uh, you know, on top of each other, because we, they let us just be wild. It was just so it's, and that's why, and again, that's the quality you hear in the episodes. You can hear how, um, it's so different when you have the cast together. It's such a different experience when you can't, when you record people separately, they're not reacting off of the other person's performance. And so there's like a generic matching quality for other cartoons that don't put everybody in the room together and I can hear it in the I can hear it I can hear that the actor isn't getting someone to react off of but when an actor gets to work off of another actor you can hear the difference it's the joy the expression the reaction is so authentic because they're really reacting off of somebody this show is definitely one of the best I've ever worked on ever yeah awesome, awesome. thank you yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still speechless. So yeah. much information. I, Yay! This was so much fun! Thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad. such great questions. I'm glad. I, we, I we, hope so. We, yeah. we question each other all the time. Man, I hope we're interesting, and I hope it's not the same thing. Like, they always yeah. get asked. But, um... I want to say thank you so much for uh, you know spending time with us, and it was so interesting, and it, it was thank so you. wonderful to like hear your story and hear everything you've been through and everything like that. Thank it just you. like I think anybody that's listen listening to this can tell, and they will understand that you love, and when people realize that there's love into what they're doing, it's like 
it's like wow it, it just takes it just takes it to another level so i want to thank you once again and i want to thank, thank anybody you. that you know listening to this and thanks ask, for listening everybody yeah yeah like <laughs> yes. hey it, it means so much to us and i want you know tell everybody all the time listen it, i know it seems rough right now but don't worry we'll get through it you know we'll get through it together as we always do uh everyone practice you know please continue to practice uh social distancing you know yeah 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 there's Mm -hmm. so many different techniques wash your hands guys and as we learn today just continue to be truly genuine like peter love will find you if you give if you're ready to accept the more love you give the more you see yeah anime dine-in boom Woo! (laughs) thank you thank you um, yeah, so uh, I just wanted to, you know, again, thank you for the opportunity and thank you for providing your insight on uh, on these topics and answering these questions. It's definitely a privilege that we get to uh, sit here and, you know, uh, and kind of pick your mind a bit and get to know who you are as a person. I think that's really cool. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking about th- during this entire interview, uh, this kind of reminded me of a uh, John Green quote, who is a author slash YouTuber, and uh, he says, you are allowed to be un- unironically enthusiastic about stuff. And that's kind of like the feeling oh, I got I going that. through this. I love that. That is, honestly, I'm, I think one of the perks of being around so long is that you eventually get to that realization where it's like, I don't care what y'all think. I love this. I'm going to enjoy this to its fullest because God knows life is hard. Yeah. Why shouldn't I enjoy the things I enjoy to the fullest? Yeah. Definitely. Again, you know, I want to thank you. Thank you, guys. Yay! Thanks, everybody! Woohoo!